be quite content to just come in here, sing a couple songs, sit down, hear a message, and then leave. But when you have to get out of your group and go and, and talk with someone and share your, your heart, share your hurts, share your pain, and let others pray with you, it opens you up to a new level of being. And so uh, I just want to encourage you that that's going to be uh, part of the process that God takes us through this year. This book that we're going through as a church, if you haven't picked up a copy of it yet, I do have some more copies up here. The Great Commandment Principle is a, it is a marrying of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. These two concepts, uh, God sending us out into all the world to make disciples and God saying to love God and love people. Uh, it's taking these two concepts, two scriptural uh, commandments, things that we have been ordered to do. You understand that about a commandment, right? These aren't optional things that we get to participate in. It's like uh, when we, are, as parents, tell our children, you will go clean your room. It wasn't an optional thing, Right? You will wash your hands. It wasn't, it wasn't an optional thing. It is a commandment. We want them to go and accomplish this. Uh, God sent us some commandments uh, a couple thousand years ago, and He hasn't ever uh, removed those. They are still part of the process that He wants us to be involved in. And the concept, the, the underlying thing that allows us to do that is this whole concept of love. If we don't learn how to love people, in Sunday school we talked about it, it cannot be fabricated. It cannot be something that we, that we just do on the moment because we can all tell when someone really doesn't want to. It's like you as siblings when your, parent, when your parents told you to go hug that sibling that you had just been in a fight with. And it's like, it's like you lean on them, you know, it's like, okay, that was a hug. And some of you are like that at times, when you have to love somebody and, and they reach out to hug you, and it's like, you know, you, you get all stiff and you're not sure what to do next. Um, but we're called to love each other. And it has to be genuine, and the only way that we can truly love each other the way God wants us to is if we have experienced the love of God, because it's unnatural. Let me, let me say that again. It is unnatural to love everyone the way that God wants us to without His love being present in our lives. We just don't have that ability. We, let me just be honest. It is, it is not possible for me to love my wife the way God wants me to all the time without the love of God. I, I would fall short on that. Because there are times that I would rather do things that are only beneficial to me. Has anybody else ever been there? You, you do things to manipulate your spouse. Um, you may do something to serve them, but you do it with intention that they're going to reciprocate in some way. It's not done out of this purely innocent motive. It's done because you want them to do something in return. And God wants us to learn to love people in such a way that we have no desire of a return that we want them to experience the love of the Father through our act of love. And that's when we begin to see new things happen. So I want to challenge you. If you haven't got a book yet, pick it up and read it. And uh, if, you're, if you'd like to hear some of the testimonies about this and, and experience some of the positive things that we're seeing come out of this, Sunday School is one of the avenues that we've been doing that. 
We have a great breakfast fixed by some great people. Anytime you put sausage and gravy and biscuits and eggs and, and bacon all together and then we get to sit around and have a good time, it's a great day, right? So we want to encourage you, if you'd like to come out at that, 9 o'clock we meet for breakfast, and then we go into our time of display up through Elaine. So we cover the spectrum, you know, uh, from 1 to 85, 4, 84 or 80, 80, Miss Elaine turned 85 this last week. You know, we didn't get to see, <laughs> even though she's sitting by herself right now, um, we did not get to sing happy birthday to Elaine. I think we should. Anybody who reaches 85 should get a happy birthday, right? So let's sing. All right, so today after service, we have a big Super Sunday soup cook-off chili. Now, we are not worshiping this new uh, addition to our communion table. I had to take the communion candles down so that the focus would change. Um, this is the trophy that JP created for the winner of our Super Sunday. You can talk to him about how that came about. There's quite a story in that. So, um, so today what I want to get into is building off of where we've already come, and that's this topic of what's love got to do with it. Now, there was a, a song sung years ago that, you know, uh, Tina Turner, is that it? Okay, I'm... I know the name of it. I couldn't tell you the words of it other than this is part of the words of it. But so what I want to know is this, how important is God in your life? On your blanks, you fill in. Now some of you think, well, we had this last week. Well, I never preached this last week because we had our uh, uh, lady from uh, the uh, uh, Miami Valley uh, Women's Center that was here. And so it was tremendous. She did a great job. But by the time we were done hearing that challenge, I did not feel it was the right direction to try to switch and move into that. So um, if you have those notes, great. Um, some of you probably filled it out last week, and this week you get you know, all the right answers if you miss one. So how important is God in your life? And that's important for us to start this process, because that really is the beginning point. Because if you don't have a proper place for God in your life, none of these other questions really are going to have the same value or meaning. So secondly, how important is obedience to your relationship with God? Alright, so first we, got to, we have to know how important God is, and then it is how important is obedience. How many of you parents love obedient children? You know, it is a wonderful, beautiful picture. How many of you would put yourself in that same category as obedient when you direct that to your relationship with God? <laughs> All right. <laughs> some of you believe that. Some of you, ah, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know why that little mark is up there on that. But anyways. So, I believe we have to address issues of obedience in our lives. 
Now, if our children are not being obedient, typically what we do is sit them down to find out what's going on. We don't smack them. Some may smack them. But, but then we move to talking about what is the underlying problem. Because if, if it's a continual problem, then there has to, we have to look at what is the underlying issue for us not being obedient. Is there fear? Is there um, this you know, nervousness about not being able to do it right or just lack of understanding, you know, really how to accomplish it or lack of self-confidence. And there's so many things. We have to look at the underlying reason for the, the disobedience. And that same thing needs to happen in our own lives as we deal with our disobedience towards God. If we believe obedience to God is important, which we all should, Scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So God would rather us obey than to sacrifice something. That's how important it is to God. He would rather us be obedient first and then whatever else comes in the relationship with God is next. But God wants us to be obedient. And yet, we all can agree that there are times, seasons, periods of our life where we walk in actual disobedience to God. And we know that it's wrong. Disobedience is sin. Disobedience separates us from the love of God. Just like disobedience has the ability to separate um, us from our children, because when we are di- when they're disobedient, our love begins to be uh, pushed back a little bit, and we become a little bit angry. We become a little bit separated from them, and and that separation creates more anxiety in the child because as soon as they sense that pulling back of love, then their reaction changes. And so it becomes this compound problem that we have to address. And, And when we start experiencing that in our personal lives with God, and we feel that God is pulling back from us because we're not walking in obedience, and let me just tell you, God's love is present but His presence diminishes in our lives when we're walking in disobedience. Not because God is pulling away from us, but because we're pulling away from Him. So we begin to move our way. And, and I love the song, and it talks about God's love pursuing us. And why does God's love need to pursue us? Because we are running from Him. We are moving away from Him. We're, we're avoiding that very thing that He is wanting to deal with in our life. And so I want to challenge you in this area of obedience. If there are things that you're not walking in obedience to you in, in your life with God, start analyzing that. Look into it. Ask yourself those hard questions. Sit down with your spouse, with your children. Go over these things. Talk about it. So, here's the next question. How in the world would God know if you are being obedient to Him? How would God know? It's not meant to be complicated. By you doing it. (laughs) So, if God lays it out in His Word, does God expect us to fulfill all of the Word every day of our lives? 
he recognizes we're going to fall short, right? But there are some certain prerequisites that he sets above everything else. That's where when we get into uh, the great commandment, the great commission, these things begin to uh, have this, uh, this far-reaching effect. When the Pharisees were, uh, were gathering together and they were trying to, to ensnare Jesus in some level of uh, conversation, trying to get Him to, to say something that they could hold against Him, and they were asking Him what the greatest commandment was. Now, the, you understand that the Jewish people, that are these leaders had already established, been part of the establishment of a system of 600 and some laws, that they believed that every person was, every Jewish person was to live by. Now they would say, you know, some of them may categorize, well, this is more important than that, but really the, the challenge for them was, you know, they really were great adherents to the law, but they didn't have the heart to really in, to live by it because they did it out of love. It was this out of, and they wanted other people to walk in this level of obedience to the law so that they were almost subservient to them as the spiritual heads of their community. So it became this oppressiveness, and and Scripture began to talk about that living by the law will kill because you can't fulfill it every day. And And then Jesus, as they are trying to ensnare Jesus in this, Jesus said, the greatest two commandments are this. And, and really, we break these down for you here in a, just a few moments. I'm not going to get in there um, yet, because we're going to read those in a few moments, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to pull back the ship here. So we would know that, God would know that we are obedient because we do what He says. How would other people know? How would anybody else know? We have joy. What's that? Yeah. Those in the body of Christ should definitely understand that. They should, because those are the things declared in God's Word. What else? Fruit of the Spirit. What else? The way of, our way of living, okay? Countercultural. We'll, we'll be different than other people. These are good, because in a little bit, you're going to break down in some groups and discuss some of these a little bit more. So these are good. These should give you some launching pads for some of those things. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 for a minute. Really, these, um, the, the great, or the, the commandments from Jesus to love flow out of Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And it says, and now Israel, What is the Lord your God asking you to do? To honor Him. To live exactly as He wants you to live. To love Him. To serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. And it is from this passage that Jesus was quoting as He began to deal with this concept in the New Testament. Now the great thing is, um, we have the Gospels, which you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are four individual pictures of individuals that were walking with Jesus, trying to give us a narration in some way of the events of Jesus' life. That's why the first four books of the New Testament are so important for every new believer to read, because they talk about the things that Jesus came and did for us. 
So I would encourage you to read that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually deal with this quote. Um, each of them approach it just slightly differently, but really they give you the heart of it, which if you have three individuals narrating uh, the message of one individual, the odds are they're going to be slightly different in how they present it. But it's so interesting that these, all three authors, really they really gain the same uh, concepts that Christ was presenting. In Matthew 22, I've included all these on your handout, plus we'll have them up on the screen here. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this, Jesus replied, love your, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love him with all your mind. This is the first and most important commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mark chapter 12 Verses 30 and 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Love Him with all your mind and with all your strength. And there is the second one, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment more important than these. And then Luke goes into it and he says he answered, uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Love Him with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Each one of these, when you read the other aspects of the Gospels, their, their take on the events that took place have some slight differences, especially how they communicated it. And yet for these three things, because this message was so important, they all really truly grasp um, the importance of this message that Jesus was trying to communicate, not only to the religious leaders and all those that were listening, but to us. Because it is upon these two things that the foundation of the church should be begin to be established so that we can develop an identity that truly gives people the ability to recognize us as Christians. If these things are not present, it is difficult for us to be acknowledged or recognized as followers of Christ. If you do not love God, and, and I've asked uh, Pastor Willie at the end of the month to go into worship and some of the different dynamics of worship and, and our expression of that. Uh, he, so he's going to deal with some of that for us at the end of the month. Um, but today I, I'm not going to give you a full picture of that. But loving God with all that is within us will have several different expressions, several several different avenues from whether it's bowing and, and worship or it's standing with arms outstretched or it's kneeling uh, or it's laying prostrate or it's dancing, whatever, whatever is your expression, it really covers all of these. And he talks about loving him with our heart, with our soul, our mind, and our strength. These four things I want to give you a quick definition of. Our heart denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. The vigor, the sense of physical life. The center and the seed of spiritual life. So when he says to love him with all of our heart, it's really from the very center of our being. The soul is the seed of our feelings, our desires, our affections. Our aversions. God wants us to love Him with the emotionalness. You know what? God made you an emotional person, and it's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to shout. All those things are acceptable. God made you emotional. So God wants you to learn to love Him in that way. He wants you to love Him with your mind. 
the deep thoughts and imagination and understanding. God wants you to love Him and think deeply about Him. Sometimes we think too shallow when it comes to understanding the things of God. The things that Joe was talking about, about God, about us walking out in prosperity and in health and in uh, our wholeness, our family, all those things. Those are promises that God has established in our Word, but if we don't go deep into the Word and understand that, we'll miss those. There are some people that will never read the Old Testament. They only read the New Testament. And they miss so much of of God's redemptive work that is being done from the foundation of the earth all the way up through the New Testament beginning. But God set so many things in motion for us back in the very beginning that are necessary for us to be able to walk out our faith today in a manner that gives it full expression. But God wants us to use our minds. God doesn't expect us to just be these non-thinking individuals. He wants you to contemplate. He wants you to wrestle. He wants you to use your imagination and begin to explore the different things about God that no one else had ever even thought about. And He wants you to worship Him with your strength. God wants you to be able to to worship God with the energy that you have. Now, I can tell you, that um, uh, Gabriel and Levi and Jonathan, my grandsons, have a different level of energy than I do. Now, God wants them to worship Him in their level of, of strength. And God wants us to worship. So God is not expecting each one of us to have the same level. You know, God wants you, some days you're feeling a little wimpier than others, right? You're feeling a little weaker. Your, your energy is a little down. And God wants you to still worship Him with the strength you have. Give Him what you have today. God understands that there's a variance here. That there's a variable speed that each of us have from day to day. It's not constant. It's not always the same. God wants you to worship Him where you're at with your strength today. So this is, this is the first thing that God commands us to. So right now I'd like you to break out into some small groups. And, and I, I think I've put these on your sheet there for you. I want you to explore how do we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength? How do we love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength? So I want you to help each other. Get in some groups. Get out and talk with somebody. Take a few moments. To talk about these. That means you got to get up and move. We're going to take about 10 minutes on this one. Heart, mind, soul, and strength.
Ready to share like one or two answers with me from each group?
So give me a couple of ideas. How can we worship God with heart, mind, soul, strength? Undivided attention. That's good. That was Tia's, huh? Somebody else. How can we love God? Yeah, that's right. Be a student of the Word. Yeah, that's good. Patience. Patience. Being patient, yeah. With people. Worshiping, good. Very good. Someone else? Taking thoughts captive is very important. It's hard to have deep thoughts without us actually controlling some of the thoughts that are wanting to take control. One of the things that I was talking with one group about was, you know, there's no order on these things. Like, this one should be more important than this one. God made these to where we will have full expression. Now, one of the things that I have noticed is, if you only worship God in one way, like, let's say... My generation was not taught to be emotional. And so your emotions are suppressed. They are contained. Then when we're not allowing our emotions to be part of worship, we have to look and see what is what kind of bondage have we put ourselves in because of improper teaching. So some of the expressions that God wants us to have in our worship have been blocked because of, of misinformation or because of pain hurts. And so in order for us to experience a full expression of worship to God, we have to ask, ask some deep questions at times. All right, we're going to move on because we have other things to do today. You don't, don't move out of your group, stay there, because we're going to deal with the next concept and you're going to talk a little bit about it. The second thing is we are to love our neighbor. The neighbor is also defined as near one. Okay, it's not as in, you know, like, you know, I live at 1177 and so my neighbor is the person who lives next to me. That would be great. It would mean that I only have to reach out to two people, one on my right and one on my left, since there's nobody directly in front of me because it's a median in the road. That's not what he's telling us here. He's saying it is that near one, and there is a, a responsibility that we have to love that person that is close to us. And so our second discussion question is, how can we love our near one? How, what are some specific ways that we can love those that are close to us? And so this really is helping us to take our worship of God and make it practical about how we love other people. So talk in your groups about how you can love people in a very practical way, in a specific way today. Talk in your groups, go. You have about 10 minutes.
have about three minutes. All right. So can someone share with me a couple of their examples on how they can love their near one? Meet them where they're at. That's good. Someone else? Sorry, what was that? Hold it. Kyle, go ahead. Acknowledge them and understand them. Okay, JP? Yeah, okay, good. We're moving on. Moving on. Someone else. Sydney. Invitations to what? Events. Good. That's right. Love on them in some special ways. Pray for them. That's good. Check on them. That's, you know what? If somebody is not here at church sometime and you come in and they've missed two weeks, you should check on somebody. Nicholas, invite him to dinner. That's a good one. David, encourage him. Paul, presence, very much so. Amen. Yeah. Now, this week, this Friday is what? It's Valentine's Day, yeah. <laughs> the young people up here. <laughs> now, now you that are married have a special opportunity to show love. Now, I realize God did not create Valentine's Day. That this is a man-made holiday 
to give you opportunity for expression, blah, 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 blah. Hey, if you do this right every day, you don't have to worry about it. But if you don't do this right, this will give you an opportunity to walk these things out in new ways. Sometimes we need some creative ideas to reignite the flame a little bit. Some of us are lacking in the love category. So sometimes, now I'll share an example. <laughs> it is a safe example for all audiences. For instance, a number of years ago, well, early on in our marriage, my wife had communicated to me in a manner that I felt she said, I don't like flowers. Okay? That's what I heard. So I intentionally did not buy flowers for any holiday because I thought she didn't like flowers. A couple years ago, she, and we've been married at that point, you know, like, you know, 20 years or 21 years, something like that. She, she elaborated on that. I don't like roses, red roses particularly, not flowers, and she did not like weeds. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't like her children to go out there and pick all the you know, dandelions in the yard and bring her a bundle of them because she's allergic to them. So, but, um, so we had to learn, so I had to learn, okay, hey, <laughs> And my wife likes to have flowers delivered to her once in a while. <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> I, 21 years in and I, and I learned something new. So sometimes we need some assistance. We have to communicate. Sometimes we change, you know, as we grow. What I have provided for you is something that we're going to dig deeper into. If you're part of the crew network... Um, there was a link that was, gave you the opportunity to fill out this relational needs assessment. Now, the great thing about you doing this online is it pre-fills all your answers. So when you answer the question, it actually fills in the back for you. If you want to do a paper copy, then you have to go to each line item and look for your number. And fill that in. And then it breaks down what your top ten. Now, up here on the table, I have a printed test. Plus, I have this little sheet. Now, I did, I'll upload this sheet later for you so that you can have access to this. But this breaks down, breaks down the top ten relational needs with scriptural reference. And they deal with the top ten relational needs that every individual has are acceptance, affection, appreciation, approval, attention, comfort, encouragement, respect, security, and support. Those are the top ten relational needs. So you're going to find out what are your top ones. Now, once you understand what your, for instance, let's deal with your, your spouse or your children. If you know what their relational needs is, then you have the ability to meet it in a very precise manner. If, if I would have just started buying my wife roses for the last 24 years of our marriage, she would have said thank you. But it wouldn't have met her need. 
see, my wife is that way. She doesn't just, when you're buying her something, she, she is very honorable and respectful. But you know what? If I don't ask those pointed questions and I'm not actually meeting a need, it's like people bringing me dessert that's not chocolate. It's like, I'll say thank you, but let me, can, I, can I be honest with you? I'm probably going to give it away. Now, I love you. I love you, but I, if it's not chocolate, I don't spend a lot of time on dessert. You know, I'm like, my daughter's got this green ice cream in her fridge. Why would anybody eat green ice cream? So I haven't touched it. It's good. It's good for some people, but it doesn't meet any needs that I have. So, that's why. <laughs> you want to be a, you want to guarantee me not touching your ice cream, you come with green ice cream. Or like, I love Miss Jean. You know, she invited me to all her events for, you know, our seven years here. And she would buy coconut flavored cake. I, I came to one of her events one time and she didn't tell me what it was. And I shoved a bite of this in my mouth and I couldn't get it out quick enough. There was, no, there was no pushing through. See, if you, when you know, now that became a point of laughter with Jean and I, that she would just torture me and tell me she bought me a coconut cake. So, now I love you, and I tell you, if you give me something that I don't like, I am going to bless somebody. Someone will leave blessed. And it's not to be offensive. I just don't believe in eating something that I don't like. I, I'm... I'm 53. I'm, I'm, I have a right to do that, right? But let's be honest. If I was 15, I have a right to not force myself to do that. So we have to learn to love people in ways that it actually matters to them. Now, if we start at home and we love our family in a way that matters to them, my children can tell you that I know, my, I know their needs. When I buy them gifts, it's very important for me to, to buy them a gift or do something that's going to matter. So that is part of the responsibility that all of us have, is actually loving people in a manner that will meet their need. For, for us to settle into this way of thinking, well, everybody just have to love me however they want, I don't really care. Well, you do care. If you're not a huggy person, a lovey, touchy person, and somebody just wants to come and you know, slather all over you, you're not going to find that really comfortable, right? What was that? <laughs> Some of you guys just think out loud. Just continue on. So I want to challenge you, number one, fill out these assessments, and number two, to start finding ways to love your near one at home in a way that is actually practical and meets their need. Be intentional. And if you start at home, then as you start extending out to your near one, as Sydney talked about inviting people to events, or Nicholas talked about inviting people out to, to dinner, you're able to actually take them, like taking my wife to Mexican does not meet her near need. If I took her to Red Lobster and she was able to eat shrimp, shrimp, shrimp scampi, that meets her need. Or Texas Roadhouse for a good steak, that meets her need. So you got to know those things. So as we close today, we're going to have, we're going to go downstairs and we're going to have fun, lots of laughter.
If our ushers could come, we're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. I'll bless to close our time together as well as bless to uh, bless our food. It's going to be a great time. So clap for our offering. And then as soon as the ushers go beyond you, you're released to grab you a form. I have enough tests, I think, for everybody to take a printed one if you want one. Or, like I said, the easiest way is if you go onto the crew app and access it through there, because then it pre-fills everything. So much nicer. So, all righty, let us pray. Father, thank you for our time together, our time of discussion. Help us to learn to love you differently, to love you in a fuller uh, presentation of what you really expect, and help us to love our near one um, in a new way. I pray your blessing on our time in, around the soup and our uh, laughter and the time in the fellowship hall, and we thank you for the opportunity to raise some money for our kids to go to Elevate. Um, we pray a blessing on that time and the food, and uh, bless this offering, multiply it to meet the needs of your kingdom. We ask for this in your name. Amen.